Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. I feel like we had a missed opportunity to point out that Tyler's already donated his shoes for the, for the sneaker thing. So uh, be like Tyler and go home barefoot. Drop your sneakers before you leave today. We'll take care of that. Uh, Also, you know, you heard from Lisa and just got one story. There's so much that God is doing in and through City Hope, through this, our our fledgling organization. Love to be able to share more with you. Uh, So right after we're done here, uh, we're going to have lunch together and you are welcome. So our global regional outreach team, our grow team is hosting us for lunch and would love to invite you to be a part of it. So feel free to, to stick around and you're going to hear more from Lisa and what God is doing in and through City Hope in our community. And, and this is what our church is doing. Like God, like City Hope is, is one of us. It's, a, it's like our kid. And so we're excited about what's happening there and seeing what God is doing. And we're a part of that uh, through our giving, through our volunteering, through being a part of uh, some of these projects. So uh, join us for lunch if you want to right after this. We'll, we'll take care of you. Our grow team is ready for you. Rocking and rolling. Okay. And uh, also want to give you a little bit of a, an update. Uh, there's not a, a lot new at this point. It's just kind of this, this rollout type of a thing. A uh, number of months ago, we began working with uh, an organization called The Center, and they're helping us really kind of focus in on some stuff and, and help get clarity on how we move forward together as a church, and that's been a really helpful process. And um, there's been a lot that, that continues to go on sort of behind the scenes. So there was like a, a big meeting right here, and so many of you were involved in that, which was fantastic. And so we're taking the input from that meeting and the surveys and the inputs that you've been given throughout this process. And we're now in the process of, of shaping a, a team that's going to help us uh, really implement uh, the direction that we're going there. And so we just want you to be aware that, that we're shaping this volunteer leadership team that's going to be doing that. Uh, we'll introduce you to her more, but Steph Ferreira is leading the charge for us in that team, which is just really exciting to me to hear her passion and, and the skill that God has put in her to provide leadership with what we need at this time. And there's going to be so many more opportunities for people to be involved. So again, if you would be prayerful, one of the things you can do right now is be praying for this whole process. And as God is raising up the the leadership uh, core of that team. And then as that gets in place, we're going to have so many opportunities to be involved with it. Some of you might be thinking, well, I can't wait to get involved with this. Awesome. Hold on to that, right? Keep that because over the next, over the course of the next uh, couple of months in particular, uh, we want to get you involved with these things. And we want as many people as want to, to be involved with shaping and uh, shaping the direction of our church and, and helping us move forward. All right. So uh, uh, right now, just continue to, to pray uh, for Steph and the team as it co- kind of coalesces together around the vision that God has been planting here. Uh, we need you to be praying and we need you to, to be involved. So more of that coming, but wanted to just give you a quick little update there uh, so that you are aware of where we're at in these processes and all that's going on. All right, let me just pause and pray for us for a moment. Father, uh, we have an expectation that you want to speak to us this morning. And uh, it's going to look all kinds of ways, uh, but, but we have an expectation you're going to speak to us. You're going to speak to us through your word, uh, through your spirit, which inspired this scripture, um, 
That same spirit is alive in us and teaches us. So we ask you to be our teacher, that you would draw our attention to what you want us to see, that you would clear away some distractions. Um, Help us to listen, help us to see, and help us to respond with humble, soft hearts, Lord Jesus. We're grateful to be a part of what you're doing and uh, excited to see what you want to do here through the remainder of our time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I start turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. I want to lend my uh, enthusiasm, my, my voice to those that have already welcomed our kids. Kids, we love you. We love that you are in here with us. As you are hearing the music, I got to imagine there's sort of a Pavlovian response. You're like, got to go. And kind of started heading for the door and your, kids, your parents had to pull you back in and have you sit down. Uh, but, but kids, we love having you in here with us. Uh, you're not going to be in here forever, but just for this month, we want you to be here with us. Uh, we we want to be family together. I want you to notice how your parents engage with what's going on here. Parents, right? Sit straight, a little bit straighter, parents, right? So this is part of how parents model what's going on and how we worship God and how we engage scripture together and, and those kinds of things. And our kids teach us stuff as we do this as, as well as family. So we know that part of what happens on Altogether August is um, sometimes uh, grown-ups get more wiggles than we're used to. And so we just know that August means we're going to be having some more wiggles because I know Chip's kind of a wiggly guy. And so uh, we know that having kids in here with us means there's going to be a little bit more movement, a little bit more wiggles and that kind of stuff. So we, we're good with this, right? Sometimes, especially if you're new and you're not used to our culture here, you might be real quick to go, you know, that's just not how we roll. If, if you need to get up and walk with your kids in the back row, have at it on the, the foyer, go for it. Um, if you want to go, we've got a family room, kind of head out those doors. Any of our team can help you get to a family room, uh, which is just on the other side of this wall over here, and you'll be able to see the message as it continues and give your kids a little bit of space there. So uh, whatever you need for you to be able to serve your kids and engage your kids, uh, but this isn't just on parents. So like if your kids aren't here, but you're sitting in a row, maybe you're sitting near uh, families that have kids, like this isn't the time to go. <laughs> right? Kids aren't scary. Like, like, like we're church family together, so dive in. Let's all be a part of this. Anyway, this is this part of what we're doing. I want to give you a few minutes to start hunting for Acts chapter 13. It's a, a bit of a, a longer passage we're going to read here uh, as we look at this. And what's happening in our story is Paul and his comrade Barnabas have been commissioned to go on a missionary journey from the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. So they, they are being sent out. Hands have been laid on them. They're ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus. They're on these uh, kind of, they're beginning their missionary journey. And so they find themselves in this place uh, called uh, Pisidian Antioch. Now, you probably know exactly where that is. It's um, like, go to Greece, hang right a couple hundred miles, and kind of inland into what is modern-day Turkey is where you're going to find this region, particularly this town, Pisidian Antioch. And so they find themselves there, and part of their missionary practice is they're, they're Jesus followers, but they come from Israel, they come from, they're Jewish Jesus followers. And so one of the first places they go as they come into these communities is a synagogue. 
And so they find the synagogue there, they find their way into it, and this is a part of their engagement in the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch. All right, so we're going to start reading at verse 26. So this is Paul uh, speaking in their midst. He says, fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, right? That's who's, that's who's here. That's who's there in the, the synagogue there. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days after that resurrection, he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now witnesses to our people. Now we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled in us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Now as it is written, and he goes back into some of these Old Testament psalms and that, so that's why he's kind of hopping around a little bit. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David, King David, so that it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. These are all Old Testament scriptures. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He's not taking a nap here. He died. That's what that means. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. The prophet said, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue that day, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with Jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. And honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. 
but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and eventually expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off, Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I told you it was a long section, but I wanted us to get the whole message of what was going on there as Paul and Barnabas are preaching in the synagogue. Um, I'd love to, to hear from you as we read through this, what were some of the things that percolated for you? What, what stirred in you? Kids, this is one of the things that, that we learn to do is we learn to just pay attention to what scripture is saying and we talk a little bit about it and so we that's what we want to do and so we're just kind of open it up what are some of the things you noticed about the passage of scripture that we read go ahead and shout it out the holy ghost yep the holy spirit right right there at the end exactly jason yeah yeah you saw that strong identification like they're in the synagogue and and these are fellow children of abraham even as there were gentiles in their midst they were speaking specifically uh to to those people weren't they yeah, who else? Noticing something. Kevin, right? Kevin got, got that right? Yeah, Kevin just preached the message for us, so we're gonna, let's just pray and go home. Like, nailed it, dude. I love that you saw that. Just to make sure that, that you're hearing what, what he was saying. He's like, he was, he was uh, talking about how the, the Jews kind of received this message of salvation from God, but they didn't receive it. They, didn't, they ignored it. And so it opened the door for that message to be going to the Gentiles, which is part of God's whole plan in spreading his message his good news to all people so i love that thanks kevin yeah jealousy stirred in them didn't it yeah that seems you know it's that jealousy that drove the um the uh the offenses you know jealousy drove the offense which eventually led to them the jewish elites the elites in that town pushing paul and barnabas out it's a it's a pretty human experience has anybody else ever felt jealous of something right? No. Yeah. 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 There's, there's something that, that we're being drawn into there that like God's like, this is a reminder that God's active. Like there, there's a work that God is doing here. And, uh, even in, in, in places where it looks like, um, God's not at work or his plan is being thwarted, God's sovereignty is moving like the sovereignty is a word that we use to and scripture uses to describe like nothing stops God from accomplishing what God wants to do and so we're, you're touching on that piece in there that those who are appointed to believe like the Gentiles were were a part of that like they were being drawn into belief it wasn't just for Israel and for Jews it was for all people and so even through the rejection of the Jews um, those who were appointed for salvation believed and were drawn in yeah, it's, it, it even creates some curiosity, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Old Testament is fulfilled. Exactly, exactly. And this is a message that we see all the time in Acts, that, that this message of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, what God said through the prophets, uh, through the writings of his scriptures, came to be. It was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus fulfills this. That's right. 
Yeah, that whole piece about Jesus' body did not see decay. And it flips us back to the Old Testament a little bit, so sometimes that can be a little bit confusing as we're reading the scripture and it's quoting a psalm or it's quoting one of the prophets. But he's pointing us back to um, the prophet spoke and said the Holy One, the, the Anointed One, would not see decay. Now, it certainly would make the original hearers go, like, what do you mean by that? Because everybody dies, goes into the ground. Even David, the, the king, died. Every, so everybody sees decay. So it may, should make us stop and go, wait a minute, what? And so the, the resurrection was a part of God's plan. Like he was leaving some, some breadcrumbs all the way to the, the place where it actually happened. Because when Jesus died, he was buried. He went into the ground like everybody does when they die. But he came out. His body didn't see decay. So it's speaking of this resurrection is a fulfillment of what God had been saying he would be doing. And it's a sign that this one is indeed Messiah. There were others who came claiming to be Messiah before Jesus and even after Jesus. There were many who came and proclaimed. But there were none who died and rose again. And so it affirmed that Jesus is indeed the appointed one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, uh, God's promised one. God's promises fulfilled, and we see that affirmed in the resurrection, the body that would not see decay. That is great. That is great. One more? Hang on a second, Norm. You already already got a part. I want to go back here. Yeah. So so back in Jesus' day, they were... The, the Jewish leaders were hardened against Jesus and it ultimately led to their rejection and his crucifixion, persecution. And so here is Paul and Barnabas following in the way of Jesus, proclaiming Jesus, but the, through the jealousy, um, they were jealous with the crowd that was coming to listen to Paul and Barnabas talk about Jesus. And so they began to to murmur, they began to work the crowd and incite people to the point that it pushed Paul and Barnabas away. It, it's sort of this, they, they were exiled, so to speak, um, and pushed out of that region. And yet the work of God continued. Yeah, it's really something. Good. You're doing great as we uh, talk about these things together. Uh, this is just great. This is great uh, as we process scripture together. And one of the pieces that's really uh, holding this whole thing together is we're seeing that as they embark on their missionary journey, Paul and and Barnabas are embarking on their missionary journey, they encounter different kinds of people, right? We've seen that. And the fact of the matter is, as you and I uh, engage in the missionary work of God, because those of us who are in Christ, I realize it's not everybody here, uh, but for a lot of us, we're in Christ, we've been transformed by him, we walk with him, we are commissioned missionaries in the world in which we live. And so, while we might think about their missionary journey as something that took them way far away from home, what we also see is missionary journeys take us right into the heart of community. And so, uh, you and I are missionaries where we live, where we live, where we work, where we play, where we go to school, right? Those are the places where we are missionaries, where we, with our beautiful feet, bring good news, right? And so in the same way that we see them encountering, uh, Paul and Barnabas encountering different kinds of people, we too will encounter different kinds of people. And, And yet, The overwhelming message of this is that God's work, listen to this, God's work in and through Jesus is great news for those who will seek, for those who will hear, 
and for those who will believe. God's work, even though it looks like it's being shut down or thwarted or being pushed away, God's work in and through Jesus is great news for those who will seek, hear, and believe. And so we see these encounters with different people. Um, I, I have not played this game, so I'm a little bit out kicking my coverage, but help me out a little bit here. Um, Minecraft. Some of you play some Minecraft? You got some Minecrafters here? Okay, so you can help me out a little bit. So this is, this is a game. You tell me if I'm getting this right or not. This is a game, it's, and, and it's, it's on the interweb, for those of you who might not get this. Right? Um, so it, it's a game, and you, you build a world out of blocks. And so it's very blocky. Like, we've worked so hard to come this far in advancing graphics, and yet this game is all in blocks. Right, so it looks like it's from back in the seventies, and so uh, it's you. You build this world in blocks, and so you have the ability. Like you're this character, and you get this world in which you can construct things. You can build houses, you can build caves, and go on and have adventures. Right, and depending on the settings, sometimes there's settings that's just like peace settings. So. Only happy people come into the peace setting. And then uh, as you get a little bit older, you can do a little bit more. And then you've got like enemies that come in. Am I right? Like, like bad people, like zombies come in. Yeah, and, and zombies and what? At night. At, zombies come in at night. Yeah. So, right. So, hello there. So, you got to be careful. And so, like you're, you're building this world and constructing this world. And sometimes you do it with friends and they help you build the world. And sometimes you kick your friends out and all that kind of thing. But then you, in this world, you take adventures as you're building. Am I getting it, doing okay with it so far? All right. So, and, and you encounter different kinds of people, different kinds of other characters. Sometimes it's somebody who's also online and playing in your world. You've given them permission. So it's live action kind of a thing. And then other times it's just like a... Non-player, what is it? What is that called? NPC, non-player character, right? So it's just like the computer's characters going in there, but you you encounter these different people along the way. So as you're building your world, as you're living your life, as you're doing your thing, you're planting your crops, you're harvesting, you're selling, you're buying, all those kinds of things. And, and, but you encounter different people and, and the different kinds of, well, people, like zombies aren't really people, I guess. Um, but you encounter different characters uh, along this way. And you've got to do different things. Again, depending on the setting, sometimes you need to kill them and get rid of them so you get, whack at them with your hatchet. Or other times, you, like I realize, I'm out kicking my coverage a little bit on this thing. But, but um, other times you can make friends with them and they come in and they're helpful. And maybe they'll sell you stuff and, or they'll buy some of your products. But there's different people that you encounter. So you've got to navigate those things, Right? Okay, for the eight of you who know what I'm talking about, this is all good. <laughs> Paul's on his missionary journey. You can kind of figure Paul and Barnabas in the little Minecraft, you know, characters, this kind of thing. And, and as they're engaging in their mission, they're encountering these different kinds of people. And, and yet we're seeing how God is at work with all those people. And so, so one of those people that we see, we're just going to call this, the, the character, his name is going to be Oblivious. Oblivious. So, uh, so we run into character oblivious, and, and what kind of person would you imagine oblivious is? Oblivious. On the clueless side, you're just missing it. And so uh, they, they, they just don't see what God is doing in their midst, and so they're oblivious to it. And so we see that as Paul is, is 
uh, preaching to uh, the, in the synagogue, but he's also talking about what, ha- what has happened in the Jewish community. And so the, the Jews were given every clue of what God was doing. But they were so dialed in in their religious constructs that they missed it. They missed it. They missed Jesus. They were oblivious to Jesus as Messiah. They had the prophets, they had the law, and they missed it. They had the scripture writings, and they missed it. They had the history of their people, and they missed it. They had John baptizing out by the Jordan River, calling people into a baptism of repentance. Prepare the way of the Lord. His anointed one is coming soon. And they asked John if he was the anointed one. And he said, no, I'm not. But the one who God has anointed, the Messiah, is coming. I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. John said. So John was baptizing a baptism of repentance, of preparation for when Messiah comes. So you had all this recorded in Old Testament scriptures. You had John, who wasn't yet recorded in gospel scriptures like we have now, but we got John recorded for us in our scriptures in the New Testament. And you still missed it. We're oblivious. And again, what we see here is they were so caught up in their religion They had built this box, and if God's activity didn't fit in this box, then they were just oblivious to it. So the oblivious character, he just missed it. Can you think of some people in your life who just miss it? What what are some reasons that we would just miss what God is doing in and through Jesus? We get distracted. For for, For some of us, it actually is our religion we, we have made such a, such a, a house of religion that we just miss Jesus. And even the religious construct that, that you had was built beginning with Jesus. But over time, it takes on rules, it takes on its legalism, it takes on its religious bent. And, and we just miss him what he's doing in our midst. So sometimes even in our day, whether it's us or whether it's people that we know, we can become oblivious because we just miss what God is doing, we, even in our own religion. Sometimes it's, it's a non-Christian religion, um, like um, we get caught up in our work, right? And I call that even a non-Christian religion. It's like our work can become an idol for us. It's, it's something we build our life around. We get so busy, 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 and, and we... Um, can wear that as a badge of honor that we're busy, that we just miss him. We just don't see him. Sometimes it's our pursuit of pleasure, what feels good. And as we see here in Acts, not everything about following Jesus always feels good, does it? And so our pursuit of pleasure, our avoidance of pain, can be the things that we get so wrapped up in, the narrative that we work so hard to build, the walls that we put the bricks in, brick by brick by brick to brick to build this narrative in our lives where we just miss them. And so you and I become oblivious, but we also, in our missionary endeavors, wherever that is, where we live, work, play, go to school, we can run into those who are oblivious. They're just, they're just missing it. Another... Uh, non-player character that we can run into. 
not as just oblivious, um, but maybe it's a cousin, obstinate. Right? So oblivious is just walking around doing what oblivious does and missing the thing. But obstinate, oh, obstinate's a little bit more proactive. He dials in and he goes, no. And so we, we see this over here directly into the story. We see that the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were obstinate. They didn't want to listen to John. They didn't want to listen to Jesus. Uh, as Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God at hand, they said no. And they were so offended, they ultimately killed him. Elicited help from Pilate and killed him. So Paul, and Bar- Paul is preaching this. So this is what's happened. And what we see here is this irony that it's happening in our midst once again. You would think once Jesus rose from the dead, it would clear away all obstinance. It would clear away all obliviousness, but it doesn't. And so as we engage with beautiful feet in the missionary endeavor of God, we're going to run into people who are obstinate. They resist what God is doing. And they might even proactively antagonize you and others to put you down, to push you out. And so we see that with Paul and Barnabas. The jealousy that was piqued created this dissonance in these elite leaders and they pushed them out. And we see this even after the, uh, towards the end of the passage that we read here. There were some um, uh, leading women in the community. They, were, they, they began to incite and, and the image that's used here is this um, kind of this murmuring, this rumoring. That this is how they built their case against Paul and Barnabas. It was just kind of on the quiet, but it was creating this reverberation around, this, this murmuring, this deceitfulness, this secretive dissonance that keeps getting built until it finally led, led to a crescendo. And we don't know, we know it was uh, jealousy that drove some of this stuff. We don't know why so many people, particularly the leaders, notice it was, it was the, the leaders, kind of the elite in that community that drove the reverberations. You know, sometimes we can become obstinate to what Jesus is doing when we're threatened by what Jesus calls us to. Let that sink in again. We can become obstinate when we are threatened by what Jesus calls us into. And we're going to run into obstinate people. And some of us might even begin to see in ourselves that we are taking on the character of obstinate. Becoming resistant to what God is doing. And we're driven by different narratives. And the murmuring gets our attention. And we play along with it. And we add to it. And so there's something about the elites in this community. Maybe it was, um, you know, there were uh, false gods in that community that had temples and the temple worship of these other gods was a moneymaker. So they made money doing that. And so if people were following Jesus, they were no longer going into the various temples in the community. And so maybe they were there to protect their money, their investment. They were there maybe to protect their, their standing the, the posture of respect that they had in the community. Again, it, it's, it's, Luke is noting for us, it was these people of, of higher standing, these elites. And so sometimes when we get authority, when we get influence, we want to protect it. And anything that um, chafes against that is a threat. And what we know about Jesus is Jesus is actually a threat to our sense of power. Jesus says overtly, 
You've seen people lead. He said, like, we don't lead like the Gentiles lead who lord it over others. That's not what we do. In the kingdom, the last shall be first. And those who want to be great must become the servant of all. Like, so Jesus turns power on its head. So for those who grasp power, those who cling to influence, an encounter with Jesus in his kingdom can be really threatening. And so you've seen that. You've seen that in the people that you've encountered, right? So we've seen the encounter in your life with oblivious. You've seen obstinate. These characters come across. And then we see this third one. Humble recipient. Humble believer. This is this other character that we come across here. These are the ones who receive God's work and his good news with curiosity and faith. Do you see this in the passage that we read? They went into the synagogue and they proclaimed this thing. And they said, even as they were leaving that day, a bunch of people from the synagogue followed them out. Said, no, 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 don't stop teaching us about this. Like they had known the scriptures. They had known the Hebrew scriptures. And it was blowing their mind that Jesus was the fulfillment of everything that they had read. Every Sabbath that they had been taught from the time that they were, they were kids. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this. And so they sought it with this humility, with a curiosity. And so they followed them out of the synagogue and said, you got to tell us. you got to tell us more. Tell us more. And so they, they talked to him there on the street. And, and they continued to encourage them to, uh, to walk in God's grace, Luke tells us. And then they invited him to come back the next week. And so the next week is when they come back and they proclaim more of this. And so we see this and there, were, there was a hunger. There was a hunger in the community. Almost the whole town, the whole city showed up. Are you kidding me? Jesus is the one we've been reading about? Are you kidding me? Jesus is the one who is God's anointed come to set all things right? Our world isn't fair. Our world isn't right. And you're telling me that Jesus is the one who has come? And they say, absolutely, Jesus is the one who has come. And so we see right alongside oblivious, right alongside obstinate, we also see humble believer. Humble believer. And this is the, the, these are the characters, the humble believer. This is the place where God unleashes his good news and new life to the humble believer. And so what do we do as we encounter these people? We stay true to the message. The, the message that has been given, the message that has been handed down, we stay true to it. And so in the face of oblivious, the message of Jesus can awaken and invite. In the message, uh, in, the, in, in encountering obstinate, the message of Jesus is grace, strength, love, and peace. And to the humble believer, the message of Jesus is life, eternal life. So he talks about it here. I want to read specifically verses 38 and 39. Again, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Or you have tried through your religious construct, through, through Moses and the traditions, you have longed for freedom from sin. But it won't be found there. There's only one place for the forgiveness of sins. And that is in Jesus. 
in Christ and him alone. Just previous to this, he talked about this is all anchored in Jesus, the fulfillment of the prophecies about Messiah, his death and his resurrection. Jesus is the one appointed by God to death and resurrection. And through him, through him is the forgiveness of sin. He uses this language of justification. And with this justification, the forgiveness of sin, this whole picture that's being built here is about uh, reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with God. The sin of humanity, my sin, your sin, throughout all of the trajectory of human history, our sin is a rebellion against God, a pushing away. Sometimes it's with shaking fist, and sometimes it's with smile and song. But when we live life on our terms, that's sin. And it's a rejection of God, which sets us up as enemies of God. And we bear the mark of our sin, and there's nothing we can do about it. Your rejection of God, whatever that looks like for you, living life on your terms, is a rejection of God. And it's, it, it, it stains us. It covers us. That's what sin does. And it's a stain that we can't remove. We can't scrub it out. We can't wash it out with goodness. We can't wash it out with religion. We can't wash it out with busyness. We can't wash it out with good relationships. Whatever it is that we use to try to wash the stain of our sin, it will not work. But here in the midst of a gathering, we proclaim, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus... The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. How can we be made right with God again? God is doing this new thing. His kingdom is vast. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's good. He's renewing creation. How can I be a part of this? There is only one way. Through the forgiveness of sin. A work of his grace. And this grace and this forgiveness is to all who hear. It's this continual invitation that all who would hear would know this new life. That those whom God have appointed will believe. Like that's our response to the proclamation of this good news. To believe. To orient our life. That's what belief is. Belief is to orient our life around this reality. And when we come to him and receive the forgiveness of sin, everything changes. Sometimes what we do is we take forgiveness as the thing that has been dispensed from the, um, the little forgiveness machine. You, you, you put in the right Jesus quarter and you get your little can of forgiveness and then you go about your business. That's not what forgiveness is. When the scripture teaches about forgiveness of sin, it's always bringing us into reconciliation with God. We are for our sins are forgiven that we are reconciled to God that we might walk with him and that's the nature of eternal life. We are reconciled to God through the forgiveness of sins. And this is the message that we carry. This is the message that we carry as we encounter oblivious. You know who, like there's even names that have come into your mind. Oblivious, aren't they? There's some people that you work with. There's some, maybe even some people that you live with. You know, 
oblivious. You know the character. In the face of oblivious, we proclaim through Jesus, his death and resurrection is the forgiveness of sins, the reconciliation with God and eternal life. Believe, believe. In the face of those who are obstinate, even attacking, you know some of them too, don't you? You have some names that are coming to your mind. You can see their faces, can't you? They just, sometimes it's just this needling. Ugh, this little poking, 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 needling. This little jest, this little joke. But you know what it's doing. You've experienced this, some of you in your work, that, that you have not gotten to go where you want to in your career because of your faith in Jesus and as those who are decision makers make decisions about your future in your career. Your faithfulness has put a lid on that because of other people. You know who these people are, obstinate. What do we do in the face of obstinate? We proclaim Jesus, that through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, there is forgiveness of sin and new life, eternal life that can never be stolen because God is doing his thing even in the face of the obstinate. And what we see is God even uses the obstinate to direct and guide and do what he does. An obstinate person, an obstinate group, an obstinate massive group cannot stop God from doing what God will do. God is sovereign and he is always bringing his work that he did in and through Jesus into the lives of all who will listen with humble curiosity. You know some of those people too, don't you? Humble curiosity. The ones who follow out the door say, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. I remember there was a, a nurse that Heidi worked with uh, in a different town that we lived in, so not around here. And uh, she worked with Heidi and she saw Jesus alive in Heidi. And she just kept asking the questions. There's something about you. There's something about you. And Heidi's trying to kind of respect things and, and is very gentle and gracious in how she approaches this. Uh, so she's not a clobber people with the gospel kind of a person. But this, this, this Jennifer just kept coming. And it was like the, the people here in the story, like just followed her out the door. And finally, she sat Heidi down and says, there is something different about you. You have got to tell me what that is. And so Heidi got to tell her about Jesus. And she, her heart was soft responsive and she believed and she gave her life to Jesus and was shortly thereafter baptized and continues to walk with Jesus in this day and it's like this this stuff happens there are people that we come across who are humble who are curious and who are receptive to the message of Jesus and we proclaim in their midst who Jesus is what God has done in and through Jesus and the new life that we have through the forgiveness of sins so the message of Jesus stays the same no matter which character we encounter. Do you see that? And yet here we are. We encounter these different people and sometimes we let obstinate get us down. Sometimes we let obl oblivious, oh, just make us shake our heads and walk away. But these are the very people in whose presence we proclaim this message of Jesus for he and he alone is life. And the message does a couple things. One, the message invites, right? It invites each of these groups of people in to this new life. It also reveals. 
The message of Jesus reveals where we're oblivious. The message of Jesus reveals obstinate. And the message of Jesus reveals humble curiosity. It invites and it also reveals. And so as we engage with this, one, let's be mindful of the people that we encounter as we engage in our mission. Who are they and how do we proclaim the message of Jesus? But let's also be honest. The fact of the matter is sometimes in our own carrying of the message, it holds up a mirror for us and we see that we are the ones who are oblivious. We're so concerned about the life that we build. We're so concerned about the religion that we build that we become oblivious to the grace and life of our Lord Jesus. Sometimes we're oblivious. The mirror comes up and sometimes we're obstinate. And we are the most harsh even to those who proclaim the message of his grace because we're so afraid that grace will give permission for sin. And so we build our walls and we build our boundaries and we neglect the message of grace that comes alive through Jesus. And so we can become obstinate. Where are the places that your heart is growing hard? And instead of coming with curiosity, you come with judgment. Pay attention to those places because the gospel invites to new life and it reveals what is true. All right. Let's wrap this up with a few big three. Right? Our big three are these. One, beware becoming oblivious or obstinate. Beware. Do not think that it cannot happen to you, that it cannot happen to me. Beware becoming oblivious and obstinate. Believe, lean in, believe with humble curiosity. Right? That's what keeps our hearts soft. I wonder if, I wonder what, this is new. I hadn't heard that before. I wonder what this is. God, what are you doing here? Believe with humble curiosity. And in all these things, share God's work and good news. Continue to point to Jesus, for he is the one through whom God is rescuing the world, people of all nations, spreading throughout all people. This is what he's doing, and this is what we get to be a part of. Let me pray for us. Father, we stand here today in awe of you and your grace and your mercy. Forgive us for when we are oblivious. Forgive us when we are obstinate. And draw us into your grace that we might be soft and humble before you and humble messengers of your love, of your forgiveness, of your grace, of your life. Do that work in us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would. All right. It's been great to be with you again after a couple of weeks off. It's good to be together as church family. Don't forget, uh, stick around. We got some lunch over here. Uh, feed the kids, stick around, let's hang out together and hear more about what God is doing uh, in and through City Hope. Would love to have you join us for that. Again, kick off your shoes, throw it in the bin before you go. Feel free to do that also. If you are here and you have never responded to the love of God in Christ and received his gift of forgiveness for yourself, you can do that today. Maybe your heart is like these uh, people in Antioch where you're just like, I need more, I need more, I need more. 
then we've got a prayer team up here who would love to pray with you and talk with you that you might know the forgiveness of sin and new life in Jesus. Settle that before you go home today. We'd love to see Jesus come alive in you. And as you walk with Jesus in this world, you walk into a mission field and the characters are out there waiting for you. Don't be oblivious to them. See them for who they are and proclaim the goodness of Jesus as you do. Thanks for being here. Have a fantastic week. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.